welcome to the 2020 St Rocks Juniors AGM. Uh, unfortunately, we're sitting here just now in a, what is quite an empty room, uh, given the circumstances. We've been able to conduct our uh, traditional AGM style, which is to have other season ticket holders up here and give them the opportunity to have their say uh, and their questions uh, to the board in person. Um, but this year, what we're trying to do is, is cut through that a wee bit and, and offer fans the opportunity to ask questions on the Twitter, uh, which will be answered just now uh, by the board um, over the next half an hour to an hour. Um, thank you very much for listening, uh, and I'm going to hand over just now to uh, Stevie uh, Mullen, St Rocks President. I'd like to welcome everyone you're listening to this year's AGM and the St Rocks podcast with our host Jamie McCourt. Firstly, I hope everybody's safe and well, mentally as well as physically, during this terrible pandemic. To all our fans and players who have been on the front line as key workers, God bless you. The work you've done for our community has been priceless. We've lost some great people during this last year, and our condolences and thoughts and prayers are with their family and friends. We will now have a period of silence and reflection. Thanks for that. What an eventful year from the great excitement and the expectation of last year's AGM. Who could have predicted how our centenary year would unfold? I think we've met the challenges head on and haven't shut anything that's been put in front of us. I need to put on record our thanks to Andy for everything he's done as manager for the club and two promotions, year on year improvement. What a great achievement. We're now heading into a new challenge in the West of Scotland League after 100 years in the juniors. But we'll continue our membership of the SIFA to allow us to participate in the Scottish Junior Cup. The managerial baton has now been passed on to Paul and I wish him all the best as his team plays in front of the best and most demanding supporters in our grade. I'd like to thank our sponsors and wish them well when they get back to operating again. At this difficult time we have notification that our main sponsor at Network will continue their great sponsorship. LSK have also committed early to continue sponsorship. Our ask to our sponsors is there anything we can do to help you at this moment in time. I need to speak about our community involvement and projects. I believe sincerely that we are the most proactive club at our level in the work we do off the park. And I take it as a great compliment that other clubs are now getting involved and using the Rocks as a role model to follow. To the volunteers who keep the club going day in, day out, week in, week out, I really appreciate everything you do and probably more than I say. Lastly, to the fans and supporters, thanks for your constant support and generosity. As an example of the recent Donata ticket scheme, this was brought to me by Matt Lawson, and once he explained to me what was involved, I asked him to register us. Andy then got involved and turned a virtual Twitter match into an event that people could get involved with on a Saturday afternoon, and the banter was superb. And I'm really glad that everybody took it in the spirit it was intended. As a result of this, we have decided that as a thank you, our season ticket prices will remain at £70 for adults, £35 for concessions and under-16s go free. As a bonus, any West of Scotland League Cup competitions will be free on the season ticket. The Scottish Junior Cup will be exempt as we will have to share the gate in this competition. When we have the fixtures and the dates to start back, we will start the sale of tickets. I can't wait to see you all back at James McGrory Park sooner rather than later. And until then, God bless and stay safe.
See, that's the point of getting a cloud with their clothes, wouldn't you? You wouldn't get any more clothes at this point. More. James, you come on. And there's a lot of leaky ends coming in and food, James. Sack of water. Right, okay, well, we've got a sort of agenda here that we're trying to uh, stick to in some loose fashion. Uh, and the next item on the agenda is for yourself again, Stevie, um, to update us on changes and updates to the structure of the club uh, over the past few months and for the next season. The structure of the club won't change, James. Uh, the last couple of years, it was proposed by Jim Friel two seasons ago and seconded by Paul Reddy, who are there with the president and the vice president, that I was elected official for them and then we... I elected the committee after that basically to work alongside us. This year we'll be bringing a few extra people on to the committee. I would need to speak to them. The only one I'm happy to say tonight is obviously yourself. You're going to be coming on board as a communications expert, you know, and be responsible for all the social media platforms. Uh, the other guys then will still make the wee conversation and then get to confirm with you, you know, so there won't be any change to the structure. Okay, that's fine. So the next uh, item on the agenda we've got is reflections on uh, season 1920, which is obviously the club's centenary season. Now, I'm well placed to ask this at the minute because obviously we've got the president, the manager that started the season with us, and the manager that ended the season with us. So if I could start off, if you don't mind, with, with yourself, Andy. Obviously, not the best of times at the start of the season, if you don't mind me saying, but is there anything you'd like to reflect on from last season? And then obviously, ultimately, moving into your new role as well. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, I, I think, to be fair, the, the results were only good enough at the start of the season. And, uh, ultimately, the manager of the team's got to take the responsibility for the results. So I was quite conscious that uh, as of the third and fourth game, that it was me that signed the players uh, and that I had to take responsibility. So I think it was the right thing to step aside at that point. Uh, the probably the players needed something fresh, uh, and I think that the best choice, <coughs> <laughs> the best choice was made in terms of bringing Paul in. Uh, for me, it was good that uh, I, I, I do believe that. Start season with a very very good squad. I, I actually said to Steve, we, we <laughs> this isn't a big, but we turned Peter's over here three 0 yeah, in the league start. cup, the league cup section. I'm sure you get us back with the league game, but uh, and people were, I mean, I don't know if you're at the game, but people were uh, saying it was a fantastic performance, one of the best for a long time. And I think I don't know if you remember, Stevie. We're talking about the next one. I said to Stevie, that may be the best it is. That may be the best we've actually got. Uh, so we. In terms of the squad we brought in, I knew we'd done well. There was probably a, a, was probably a mistake to go down the road to the, the co-manager thing. For what it's worth, Gary may well have been the best co-manager in the world ever. I'm probably the worst. So, uh, again, I take responsibility for that because I was used to doing things my own way, making decisions. Uh, and then when I've got a co-manager to do that properly, you need to uh, probably have 50-50 when I probably didn't need to relinquish enough of responsibility. So... Uh, again, I take responsibility for that. In terms of the games we played, <laughs> we're actually, it sounds daft, but we're actually very unlucky. We were doing the first game uh, down in Ayrshire, and we were late, and we had to kick off, and then Doggy sent half early, we were unlucky to lose the game, and then there was another couple of games where it was really close, and then when you know you know your time's up when you go down to Dorai. I was like, how are you in training? I said, I mean, you go down to Dorai in a pissing rain, and you're 4 0 down after 20 minutes. And their goalie scores their fourth goal. Their goalie scores their fourth goal when they've got the wind with it in their back. Yeah, you then get a value five two. Yeah, it's pushing the rain. Everybody's drunk. There's no cover. I'm still in a suit. I had the eight for the morning. Starving. <laughs> Four. I think it was. I think I ended up five. Was it five two at half time? We had a couple of changes. We get back in the game. We end up losing the game six five. And it it, it was obviously before I'm done with 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 the 
the, the wind and stuff like that. The wind died down a wee bit in the second half. And then two weeks later, we went to uh, Gart Cairn. And we are playing Gart Cairn and there was a hell of a wind up there. I don't know if anyone's remember. Hell of a wind up there. So I go, right, fuck it, I'm, I'm, I'm going against the wind the first half. Look, the first half comes, half time comes, we're 3-1 down at half time. 2-0 down at half time. And the wind stops. <laughs> and at that point I thought to myself, do you know what? It's time for me to chuck it. So I think I had a good five years. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'd like to be a manager again. It's what I do, it's what I came here to do. Uh, I think I've still got something to offer. Uh, but I think my time was up at that particular point. If, if you want a wee bit of feedback on the role of secretary, I'd say that I came out of meeting last year that I would take responsibility for supporting any ventures we had within the centenary year. So uh, it seems like a long time ago, but we had the centenary strip and I think we sold more strips than any other club at our level. A couple of other ventures, they were supporting Stevie with the, the, the speakers night, which again, you know this, Jamie, this, that's sold out quicker than any. In fact, Celtic, Celtic told us that out with the Celtic Supporters Foundation, we're the only other uh, organisation that sell out that, that hall. Uh, and then finally, the thing I was involved in, which was quite a good laugh the last few weeks, was donate a ticket. So I've tried to get involved with stuff that's maybe just bringing a wee bit of income into the club. In terms of secretary, uh, going along to meetings and stuff, sending letters on time, <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm probably not the best at it, so I think Stevie has spoke to somebody maybe about doing match secretary to make sure the team lines are done. We'll probably have more team line things than any other club in, <laughs> in the juniors in the last five years. So, so I'm glad that that's uh, somebody else who's got to be taking that on board. Uh, I, I can feed back with some uh, stuff I've got in terms of secretary for the West Region, the news one tell it just now. I mean, absolutely, that's it. Sorry, I'm ready to call it. It's carrying an agenda. Right, absolutely, I'm ready to call it. Okay, well, according to the agenda, we've got a section at the end of it that we can pick up on it. Okay, then, in that circumstance, obviously, Stevie Andy leaves his post. I think you're in holiday at the time. Yeah. Tell us about your reflections on 1920, but obviously, you've got to focus on that. I was really excited, and I remember the conversation quite clearly, because I disagreed with him, obviously, he was right. I thought after the Peter Hill game, that we really would have had a chance to, to push on and challenge even the best teams in junior football, not even just within the league, because I thought that performance was magnificent. You know, some of the football was absolutely sparkling. For whatever reasons, it, it, it didn't happen. And I, I say, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. When Andy phoned me after the Gap game, I'm on my holiday, and I, I, I'm not humble enough to say this, I beg them not to go until I come home. Because I thought it was vitally important to what we were going to do as a club, apart from just going the park. Again, as he's explained to me numerous occasions since then, it was affecting his home life. And there's nothing more important than Donna and the two kids to me. So we couldn't, as a football club, not even raise his friend to say, no, no, we need to keep you on. So we had to give him his, our blessing to, to go to get himself better. That, that's what happened. Then spoke to Paul earlier that week when I came home. Paul had to go with a, I think it was a handicap. Uh, amputee team, amputee I think. Team. Amputee team. Sorry. The, the place of England. Aye, aye, aye. So Paul couldn't yeah. commit to that weekend. Then I was able to ask Gary Bell and Chip to come in and give us a wee hand to oversee that. Paul could give that. He's okay, you know, to, to take that game. Then the following week when Paul came in, and they say, I know Paul spoke about it last week in his own podcast. I had to do the best for St. Rocks and speak to everybody that I thought was a valid candidate. When I had done that, Paul was the original choice, but he was also the best 
to do other things. I actually had a guy in here who had actually tried to tackle me when I was doing the interview with him. You know, and I thought, so I don't know what a tackle is, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, we then got into it and then we had a great run of results, you know, towards the end, we sort of had, it came back a wee bit. The season, football-wise, wasn't what we expected. We've had to curtail a lot of our activities, but, and again, it's going to be another question come on later on, I know it's in one of the five questions from the fans, so I think that would be a more appropriate time to answer them, James. But football-wise, Slightly disappointing, but looking forward and confident to the season going ahead. And I'd like to thank the two guys for everything they've done over the season. Okay, Paul, yourself, any reflections on season 1920? Well, I think I'm, I'm, I went on record last week saying that, you know, uh, I was still hurting a bit for getting the attack at Peters Hill, which Andy significantly contributed to. But uh, obviously, the, the attraction I come in here was too big. Uh, I did say at uh, the first the first opportunity we had to meet the fans, I did say that, that the, the player recruitment here had been really good. I think the quality of player was as good as anything in the division. Uh, and we just had to get them a wee bit refocused again. I, I, I think that was the... If anybody says, what did you do differently? So we'd say, we maybe got them to refocus a wee bit better. And we also had the good fortune of getting guys, significant players like Barry also back for injury, you know, so, so these sorts of things made a difference. Uh, at the start of my, let's say my season at St Rocks, it started with an absolute bang, ended with a wee bit of a whimper, but disappointed with that, uh, even though it ended prematurely, uh, still a wee bit disappointed with the, with the way that it finished up. But uh, I still feel and felt at the time We've still got foundations to, to go on and, and improve again next season. So that's that kind of the intention. Okay, well, obviously, usually when this conversation is happening, AGM fans are sticking their horn up and interjecting and sort of uh, having their say as well, and it's obviously strange we've not got the chance to do that. Um, there's one more subject we'll touch on before we get to those questions for fans that have came in advance, which is uh, a financial update on the club's uh, financial status. So obviously, in this environment, it's no best place to sort of sit and, and discuss specifics, but is there any update? Um, how would you like to communicate to the fans of the clubs? I think the fact that the, the sort of major sponsor has renewed his sponsorship, you know, other guys are coming around the board, they're giving it, they donate a ticket. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. Obviously, we won't be able to keep going forever if there was no income, but we will manage fine, you know, and again, it's the result of a lot of people's hard work to bring this money in. At this time, it's particularly important to thank the fans because for all the people who signed up and gave us their money for the speakers night most of them left it where it is and they're trusting us to when we get through this to put on the night so as long as we have that we're absolutely fine and we've got no worries about the financial situation for some rocks okay that's you want to add to that, Andy, because you're... No, no, yeah, just, just to touch on the, the, the speakers' night, it's uh, something that we, we've provisionally got in for August, but yeah. maybe later on in the year, maybe suitable, and it's great that everybody stayed on board. Okay, we'll cover that again a, a wee bit later on, because there's a specific question from the supporters uh, yeah. about that one. So, uh, to move on then to, to um, sort of penultimate uh, moment on the agenda, 
it's to ask questions that the fans have, have stacked up for us uh, before this. So um, I'm going to keep it anonymous just so that the fans have asked the questions where we get that wee bit of privacy. I'm really off. You're really off. This one, this one comes to a, a Mr A Cameron. Uh, does Paul believe the squad will be good enough to gain promotion next season? Up to me. <laughs> I think. I think my view and my whole time as a player and as a as a manager, James has always been. Uh, if you're going to be, if you're going to play football, you need to play to win. You don't. There's no point in just playing. You know, people are perfectly entitled to play football for the love of the game. But it's never been something that I've been particularly comfortable with. So, you know, the players that have been recruited here, they go where the players that are staying, are people who come with a, a winning attitude, a winning mentality, and that's and that's based on the fact that our, our intentions, our ambitions are to have a good one in the league. It's no other reason for being here. Okay, um, and this question, I guess, goes for both yourself, uh, Andy and Stevie. What assurances were the club given that they would be participating in a conference with clubs from all levels of junior football when they eventually joined the West of Scotland? Do you want to have a first now do an update on what's yeah, I think if I answer that uh, based on what we were told at the meetings, and Andy can inform you what happened, we had Zoom calls, you know, which were hours long. At the first meeting with the West Region, which we both attended, they were saying that we'd be cherry picking and we'd all go together. So, there's a lot of dubiety about that, but at the meeting with the West of Scotland League, it was a direct question that I asked to the man, Mr Fraser, who replied, it will be four conferences leagues, four from the Premier League, four from the Championship, four from the first and four from the second. That was a direct answer to a direct question. I can't be any clearer, it was somebody from another club, it was me who asked the question. That then changed by an email to Andy, the night before there was going to be that Ron Petrie had intervened and says no, he was only looking for the responsibility for the discipline for the Premier League and it changed to a 20 team and we at that time had been shafted. So I'll pass on Paul's got some thoughts on Mr Petrie but we maybe get no share of him the AGM. What you make it to you now? As Stevie says we were when we went to the meeting at Hamden, the, 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 the chat was about that we've got hundreds of years of history together, let's go together. Uh, but well, our, our view as a club at that point, and I think I'm correct on this, is that as a club at the moment, we're not set up right now to be able to compete to go into the Lowland League. However, clubs like us and, and similar clubs shouldn't be holding back those progressive clubs who are currently in that situation. So our, our discussions were around about if Clyde Bank and Auchinleck and maybe Pollock want to compete at that level, we shouldn't hold them back. But that was tailored with, and, and equally important, and can't stress this enough, equally important that if we're going to want to make sure that the teams that are currently in that situation can progress, then our feeling is we're not leaving anybody behind. So, and I'll not name any teams in case it's been disrespectful, but teams that are on the bottom, because uh, we weren't not that long ago we were there ourselves, teams at the bottom of the second division, we were saying, if we're going there, then these guys need to come along with us, but we're going to a new league, so therefore it's equal status. I, 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 it makes complete sense to anybody who's got a bit of savvy about them that if you're going to need something new, then you're going to need equal partners. Particularly when the whole war cry was, we're all getting this together. We're, we're, we're all uh, the brotherhood of the juniors or whatever you want to call it. Very quickly, it became apparent that the, the Premier League was going to keep their status based on uh, a meritocracy. They, 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 they suggested that because they were Premier League teams, they should remain Premier League teams. 
but they didn't further that to say because you're a championship team you should stay a championship team a first division team so basically uh, my view is that the championship teams from last year basically were shafted we were told we can get into a league with four Premier League teams we no conference they changed it quite quickly but furthermore we went into then the, the, some of the things we're saying they needed to have uh, inverted commas Premier League because from that structure the SFA said they had to identify a champion whether that's to go into the Scottish Cup or to go into the playoff of the Lone League the following year so I went back with a suggestion to them to say right okay let's have four still go with the four conferences however we'll have the top four teams for the Premier League previously going to let's just call it the provisional Premiership so that if any of the four teams win the league or any of that, that means that through the meritocracy for the previous season before they could get promoted into the Lowland League or get the Scottish Cup access. The rest of and the other conferences would end up uh, finding their playing field. The, the, the issue that I had at that particular time was it wasn't even discussed. It didn't even get shared with clubs to have a discussion about it. The decision was made pretty quickly. So uh, it didn't feel like a good start eh, on this new road. It didn't feel like a, a start that we were promised. That, uh, uh, but however, uh, it's now been the, the structure's now in place. And just as of today, we, we've got a, a feedback of what the leagues are going to look like, what the promotion and relegation situation is going to look like. I think that, this is an important thing fans are wanting to know. I can tell you this stuff now. Uh, so, as of next season, the three teams who win the conferences are automatically guaranteed promotion to the Premier League. That's a given. Uh, that means that the, 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 the hope is that the Premier League's 18 team, it's a, sorry, 16 teams next year which means that seven Premier League teams will be relegated at year one. Uh, on that proviso, for the following year, the structure will be from the, from every league, three up, three down. Uh, so uh, if we finish, uh, 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 where will we play next year? So if we, if, we, if we win the league this year, any pressure, mister? <laughs> if we win the league this year, uh, we will go up as champions into the Premier League. Teams that finish second to fourth, in their conference will remain in what will be called the first division, which we previously championship. Teams who uh, finish below that in fifth to I think it's so sorry fifth to tenth place will go into the second division. So if we finished fifth or below, it would be like our, our relegation for us. And the teams that finish eleventh and below will be admitted to the third division. So the conferences in effect will determine where the teams what divisions teams play in next year. The only way we'll play in the Premiership next year to finish first, the only way we'll be in the Premiership within the next two years is to finish in the top four this year and top three the following year. There's a few other wee bits and bobs about the thing, but it's really about where you, if you finish level, what determines the difference with teams. But I won't bore you with all the details of that just now. So that, this is just thought off the press today. Confirmation that the winners of the, the, jam, the, the conference will go up and also confirmation, seven teams will come down. I say that's probability that what they have put a proviso in that uh, there might be circumstance that next season the Premier League's got 18 teams. If that's the case, next year it'll still be three up, but five will go down. So it won't impact on us in terms of what we need to do to get ourselves in the Premier League. Finish first this year, or top four, and then finish third next year. OK, thanks for spelling that out for us. Was yeah. you using that? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're... Uh, I think my views on it are fine, fine, you know, we know what we need to do. The players will be informed sooner rather than later, and, you know, that'll be it. 
and then somebody will just tell us when to kick off, and then we'll go on. I, I mean, I, I think I think the point there, Andy, is well made, and I think that's the point to players. I have actually spoke to some players about the fact that in, in our in our discussions about signing here, I've spoke about the fact that you maybe before all of this was laid out, but said maybe we better look to commit players to two year contracts because it's over the course of two years I think that we can we can establish ourselves there. Uh, so you know I'm 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 optimistic that we've got a we've got a strong squad and that we could do it in one year but uh, the idea of doing it over two years I think we could do you know we certainly the sort of players that we've got just looking forward for up. that for that circumstance uh, my view on that one is that see if they go with the provisional thing and they keep 18 in the, in the top league next year what could happen is that uh, if we went up this year it could be five you can do it next year mm-hmm. if they do it that way or uh, the other side of that coin is that uh, obviously if they don't do that and we finish second for example this year and then second again next year we're going to a 16 Premier League team the following year so it's mm-hmm. there's the the fundamental problem for me is that they've already they've already demonstrated to the fifty odd member clubs that they've no kind of to be trusted, you know, because they've reneged right away on the first thing that they said to them before they even got all the clubs registered. They've already reneged on that. So to leave a wee kind of carrot out there or a wee caveat out there that or oh, it might be seven teams or it might be five teams. That that is that that sort of thing gives you some concern because we've already demonstrated that they're not to be trusted. That's which is a shame. Final part of the, the season going forward, we've also committed to remain part of the West Scotland Junior setup. So therefore, we will have access to the Junior Scottish Cup next year. We've sent our application away, and uh, we will be yeah, in the Junior Scottish Cup next year. And just to touch on that point, if you don't want me asking you, Stevie, it's no one there. Ask the questions, but uh, will the club be maintaining the, the junior and the title of the club's name? I, I think we should. I, I, I know a lot of other junior clubs are having discussions about dropping it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with always being St Rocks juniors. My example to one of my fans who asked me about this a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't seem to have done Boca any harm, you know. So I, I don't think we should worry about nobody's called St Rocks juniors. I never retained my membership of the junior FA. Then why, why should we give it up? Okay. The thing I was going to say to Paul there as part of that discussion. Obviously, we are on the upfall for a lot of our junior clubs. Absolutely. Does our fan base help you to attract, you know, to be able to play in front of the fans? And I know they're vociferous and they can be healthy, mm-hmm. but is it a good selling point? I think I think the numbers are a selling point. I think, uh, yeah, I think the numbers are a selling point. I think people want, people recognise younger players, no, even younger players, established players in the junior game recognise and see the way things have gone uh, at St Rocks over the last couple of years and get, you know, I think last year more than any was absolutely clear. I mean, for the first League Cup game, which was a Friday night uh, onwards, it was clear that St Rocks were beginning, something was happening and they were attracting bigger crowds, uh, even than they had last year. So, uh, play, players talk, as you know, and you know, in these days of social media, I think the club's been very good at that sort of stuff as well in terms of communicating with fans. I think the players have been uh, players know that something's going on, something positive's going on at St Rocks, and I, I would say, 
with one or two players, it's been an easier sell than I expected it to be. And with one or two other players, they were maybe more waiting on us contacting, hoping that we would contact them because there is a sense that things are going in a very upward direction here. What I, what I said to the players is, yeah, we've got we've got really boisterous fans, you know. And when we're winning, they love you. <laughs> well, it's just because I was speaking to a, a player who's with another team in our league today, and he says to me, it would be absolutely marvellous playing in that environment every week. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go for whatever team you particularly play for, and there's 20 people there, he says, when you know you've got a place at Knox, there's a minimum of two, 250 people. Mm-hmm. You know, so even for away teams, you're going into an environment you want to play yeah. football. Yeah. So just to find out, you know, what a, Potential targets for us, you know, it was a, a selling point. I think this is, I think this is the thing as well about what the people need to understand about about bigger clubs. You know, when when you're recognised as a bigger club because you've got two hundred plus fans, when the opposition come to play you, then they, I would reckon every player probably gives a ten percent extra than would any other given Saturday, because the, because you know. The right mentality as a footballer is when you go away from home, you want to show the home fans that you're better than what they've got here. <laughs> That's just the reality of football. If you're, well, I think you know. that didn't in our last game that we played uh, here against Canvas Lang with a wee goalie. Mm-hmm. You know, he was getting pelters and then says the night was the best game he's ever played. Right. Mm-hmm. So it obviously inspires other players as well. It does inspire play, the opposition, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Paul, uh, just to touch on something you mentioned there, because I don't believe you've got any GM if the supporters are here without explaining why we've not announced these signings again. What I did ask last week, James, and I repeat, is I'm asking people who trust me. We've got a good group of players, we've got a very good group of players here. Uh, our plans, we, we probably had a plan that we had to communicate to, to Stevie or Ken for, for next week about getting all the players in. So that's probably going to be deferred because we're doing some work in the park. Genuinely because we're doing some work in the park. But I would think uh, within the next uh, fortnight we'll have all the players at the park and then we'll be making an announcement on that day. To tell you, James, I, I can sort of back this up because you asked me yesterday about player sponsorship and I said, well, is it a mystery? Fucking <laughs> you, you get it. You don't know any of their names. <laughs> well, I think, what. I think there's something exciting about that. Do you not think it would be great just to sponsor number seven? <laughs> Jim and number, and number 15. <laughs> and then, you know, and then see who you get. I think that would be pretty exciting. Lucky that, exactly, are <laughs> So yeah, I think within the next two weeks we'll be making uh, our announcements, yeah. Okay, not a problem. Uh, another question for the fans then is for yourself, Stevie, is, is there any plans for the club to place some seating around the ground? This would greatly help some of the older supporters in particular. I, I thought about it, James, as you passed that on. There's no plans to put any fixed seating, but I've had a real look about today, and the strategic places about the terracing, there is already seating there. You know, if you leave the pavilion adjacent to that, there's a bench that's been made and there's four seats. There's old bits that had the wire just at the bit where you, your dad and that stands and then you've got further seating under the enclosure. You know, but there'll be no plans to put fixed seatings. You know, we've been here since 1935 and we've only had enclosures for the last 18 months. You know, to try and put fixed seating, I think, would be actually too hard. Okay. What would the... Just, this is just... You see light bulbs come up my head, sometimes he goes, don't. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 things like that, potentially, we've got 
the some space that I know we're going to use one of the things at the back, but we may have the other space. We could look potentially to further down the line of buying some seats, small seats that can easily be packed away. And if older people are coming along one day a match who don't have access to it, just ask him and get him one. Okay, hi. He's not spending the money. Find the seat. I've got cheeks in their arse. <laughs> and it's a five round mission for the seat. <laughs> We would like to have a temporary seats change that if any older people need one, we'll certainly make sure it's up in the hold. Okay, no problem. Um, so I guess the question again for yourself, Stevie, and Andy as well, and the other man's to answer it first is how are the centenary events planned with the club affected by COVID 19? And are there any plans to reschedule or rearrange them? We had it, mate. What a name, <laughs> Everything's been put on hold, you know, not at our discretion or our choice, but what we were advised to do and told to do. Everything that was planned will go ahead, but dates when we're allowed to do it, they say we, we had everything in hand, himself and Andy, we had numerous things, you know, way organisations to get it done. So everything's in place, which will be the speaker's night, the match here against the Jimmy Johnson Select, and the inaugural Jimmy McGrory Trophy at Cathkin Park. They, they, they'll still all be going ahead, we just need to get dates. Okay. There's also, there's there's also a civic dinner that we had uh, pencilled in for City Chambers, but based on what the situation is just now, Stevie just mentioned there that that could be later on. I asked Stevie speaking a couple weeks ago about the centenary, sorry, the speaker's night, and even if it was December, if people could hold that patience to December, it actually could be a fantastic end of centenary year occasion if we get the, 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 the people to hang on for that. We, we're looking at August but we need to be obviously flexible in terms of that but we will get messages to people as soon as we know how the restrictions and the, the government advice as well. And I'll go ahead to you and uh, again to repeat myself, the guests have been absolutely fantastic you know and how they've received us you know when we've been approached them to re-speak everybody's happy to do it they're happy to get involved. And most of these guys don't have any close affinity with the club, but they're willing to help us. Okay, and one for yourself then, Andy. Um, it's the last question I've got for the supporters. Um, but at this point, just to uh, reiterate that if Andy's got any questions that they want to follow up on, um, everybody here has indicated they'd be happy uh, to convene again in the next few weeks to answer any follow-ups. And it's the best we can do the circumstances regarding an AGM. So I encourage anybody who wants to follow up to any of these questions to, to get in touch with us. And we'll get back in uh, here and get them answered in the next few weeks. To finish off the supporters' questions, the club have expressed an interest uh, over the past couple of weeks on Twitter at starting a, an under-20 site. So how will this be carried forward? I don't know. Maybe answer that, Andy. <coughs> we met a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I like the idea. As I, as I said before, uh, I came here as a football manager. I spoke to Stevie and Paul. This isn't a, this isn't a surprise to anyone. Uh, maybe a few weeks ago, I'd say to both of them, I'm going to go back into football. Uh, the opportunity for us is to put a development squad in, but it has to be right for the club. Uh, so we've had a couple of conversations and a lot of our fears were about geography and stuff. As of the email I got the day, there was a party I didn't mention. They've confirmed that there'll be two regions, one will be west and one will be east. Mm-hmm. So as of today, we can well, just about confirm that we will have a development squad going in next year. We'll probably go up before a five month to bring that squad together. The biggest challenge is going to bring the players in, but we've got a big enough network. For example, speak to the captain of the club today and he says that there's some younger people that he knows he's got contacts in clubs. I'm sure we've got other people who can do the same. There's also, which is really healthy about this, is there's a number of people within the community that have approached us 
who are interested in being part of the development team. So we, we can get them all uh, on a table to see what everybody can offer. Uh, I'd hopefully be able to bring a couple of my ex-players in. So if it's in terms of football, uh, that I will be managing the development team on a Friday night. Under twenties, any players born between two thousand and one and two thousand and three, get in touch. Uh, we will be uh, the, the the forefront of the development squad is obviously to create talent for the first team. Uh, so that's the uh, conversations we've had, and, and that will be the, certainly be the target. But obviously, we want to be competitive as well. And I'll just reiterate what Bob said earlier on: uh, you don't play football just for the fun of it. We'll be playing to be competitive. So boys are coming on born between two thousand and one and two thousand and three. Need to keep at a level, they'll be playing professional football, hopefully for St Rocks in a couple of years' time. But you know what, there could be situations where we bring boys on, and uh, I hope I'm already saying this week, if we bring a boy on at 17 and he's good enough to step up to the senior game, we will not, step, we will not stand in his way. That's fair, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So uh, for me, uh, as I said earlier, I see myself as a football manager first and foremost, all the rest of it comes along. I, I, Sometimes we have capes and get away with it. Club secretary, I'm only club secretary in the world is hopeless at admin. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to that challenge uh, going forward. The, the, the games will be on a Friday night, uh, and, and between the three years we'll work out how we, how we go about doing that. You, why is that? I, I think it's a, a big challenge. I really do. I think it could be a great pathway, but it's got to be a progression for everything. Development squads to develop players for. The rock, you know, so there's a lot of challenges to them. They need to be good enough, they needed to be dedicated enough, but it's a pathway. You know, a lot of these other clubs have had youth systems for ages. We're going to try and instigate something in a short period of time with that quality of player, and I, I think it's quite a difficult task. It won't be easy, I know. I don't disagree, uh, but you know, anything worthwhile is never easy. You know. <laughs> That's that's Do you think the, the fans would uh, be interested in this having that sort of a Well I was gonna ask you, is there any chance you could put the games on a Friday night? Because I, th- I think that would be uh, I think that would be quite popular amongst the fans. But again I recognise that there's serious logistical challenges in getting a, a team started from scratch in the space of yep. five or six months and sourcing all the players. Yeah, so it's happy with Stevie said the, the challenges there, but you've got to remember that these boys who have been with all these other clubs for years, they ain't gonna just jump ship because it knocks asking me to go along so uh, the, the way that we're going to recruit players is going to be wide and wonderful uh, to find boys who have got a bit of talent who just maybe not been picked up elsewhere or there may be boys who have maybe need another second chance or something like that we don't know but uh, what we'll certainly do within the next month or so is we'll open our doors to, to start reaching out to try and attract young players it may well be that, that, that there may be a critical uh, point where we get to September or October and whenever the league is going to start we might sit down again and go you know what maybe we're not ready this year that, that's a possibility isn't it uh, but however as of as of now in terms of my mind I'll be ready and if we, we uh, it turns out that we need to re-evaluate and later on we'll certainly do that I think the Friday night thing is great for our fans James you know because it's all going to be 4G parks floodlights most of them all have stands you know so if the guys are looking for a football fix on a Friday night you know they can go and watch us at box team I don't think you'd be short of takers in that one, Steve. And it's only four quid. No season tickets. So, in terms of the, the, the other benefits for the development squad is that uh, 
you can play three overage players at any given time and play a couple of times a season, so there could be situations where first team players are coming back, they might need to, to come in. Uh, similarly, if Paul's got boys in his squad who are under 20, they can actually play for both teams. But we need to have an understanding of how the discipline works because if players are suspended, uh, there's ways that, the way to share this with everybody, there's, there's ways that if people in the development squad that might support the discipline structure, does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, so it's all good. Hopefully, what I'll be able to do is bring in a couple of people who might uh, used to play with me to help me out. But certainly, there's other boys who run about the community uh, have indicated interest, which means we could have, we could already have a pool of people who've got genuine interest in taking this venture forward. Which means that we've got a, a, a group of people who are fighting for the same thing. I've got the same goal, and we can get them all on board. But it will also allow me to get back into the dugout. Another very important point is that every single player will be registered with St Rocks Juniors. Right. You know, they're not going to be dual contracts or an under 20 player, they're all be St Rocks Juniors players. There's a, there's a the further development, sorry Steve, it's just reminded me there on the stuff they brought out the day. They're fighting for dual contracts they, to allow it for youth teams. So, for example, teams like West Park or uh, any other uh, sort of a more established uh, youth clubs. It looks as if they might actually be able to have a dual contract. This is only today this happened, because I know that you've mentioned this before. So potentially, we could link up with, with some of the bigger uh, youth clubs. Uh, we have you to uh, they play with them on Sunday, but they got opportunity to play with us on the Friday night. Or they got opportunity to play with our first team on Saturday, if the young boys are good enough. We'll see on the issue of contract, Paul, you mentioned something earlier on that I think most of the supporters have maybe picked up on about the, the two-year contract. Now, obviously, historically, juniors have only ever offered a year, and I don't know if this is something that's uh, you know, maybe something you'd want to speak about too openly, but is that a possibility that the club could start signing players to a couple of years? You know, yeah, I mean, contract contracts have always been open for in terms of the the, the length of contracts have always been open for people to interpret whichever way they, they wish, and, and there have been players signed at other clubs for longer than a year at a time. Uh, so it's just something that you know, it's just something that I. I I would consider for one of the two, one or two of the key players within the club, and I've, I've spoken to them about the possibility uh, because I think that they will be one or two of the leaders in the club would be here, and if we won the league, it would be absolutely necessary for necessary for us if we moved into the Premier League, or if we ended up in the first the top four, it would be absolutely essential for us next year to get up as one of, as one of the three. So depends on the top. It's, they've turned up in the bottom uh, under the flat five. They didn't get to. That's professional, here, isn't it? No, you did say you did say below the five is relegation, Andy. So <laughs> pleasure there. Thanks very much for that one. Uh, so, so the idea of longer term contracts for one or two key players is something certainly I would be speak to Stephen Andy about. But uh, it's not something that I would dismiss out of hand. Is is not likely to happen, you know? Okay. Is there anything, I would like to ask you, as a fan, and somebody who speaks to the fans on a regular basis, we say, oh, what's, up? what's their ambitions, what's their expectations of the club? Obviously, as you say, I, I speak to Maduka mates on a regular yeah. basis, and we've got a group chat, and anybody who wants into that, I've always said it's a bit so not, it's just gives a message, you're always welcome to come in and speak about the club, there's a lot of nonsense most of the time, but we get there. Um, I don't necessarily think, and I, I can actually, in advance of speaking to you, I sort of canvassed them a wee bit. I don't know if the fans, certainly my group of mates, have got massive expectations. I don't think anybody's sitting there going, you know, I want to be playing Lowland League in, in, in three years. I think everybody, as you say, is behind the club and supporting the club. And 
But I think majority are happy to see a competitive Sir Rocks team playing a Saturday afternoon uh, and turning up to games and seeing us compete and seeing us, you know, you know, not get a hiding, you know, and, and that's you know, thankfully over the past five or six years that's not happened very frequently and I reckon you know, sustaining that competitiveness is, is, is the community aspect important to I think well it's always for me whenever I mention that I go to St Rocks games, the first thing Andy mentions is community work and you know the, the home work club and all that sort of stuff and again I don't speak for other fans certainly any stretch of imagination but uh, I think the fans are rightly proud of that um, and proud of the work that the club does off the pitch as well because it is the area that's got everything going for it you know what I mean we speak about it a million times you come up here take a right hand side you're lucky if you get an ATM before you get to Houston Road and that's only you know five or six years ago that that's appeared you know what I mean this is an area that's required uh, something and I, I always like to think it's in Rock's case a place an identity and it gives us a sort of almost a spokesperson um, now that's maybe just me romanticising it, but I think the fans are, are rightly proud of the work that the club does off the park. Do they see it becoming more and more as a community hub? As they say, you've got Royce Youth Action, you've got the thing up the hill and up, but do they see this as something that could become a community hub for them? I don't, I, I, the truth of that one is I wouldn't know. I couldn't answer that one directly. I know there's things that obviously I've taken on a, you know, more uh, responsibility now and, and taken on a role in supporting the committee. I know that there's things I would like to see the club day going forward and you know but I think that we've grown so fast in the past five or six years that all of this is going to come in the next five or ten or fifteen years. You know, we've we've gone from having thirteen people here in 2012-13 to having almost a thousand against Largs last year. And there's an infrastructure that comes with having sustainable income for long periods of time in clubs Talbots and Pollocks didn't get to that level of infrastructure by by luck, they got there because of the 20 years of 700, 800 people coming through the gates. No, the reason I was asking that is because when we have rock talk on a Sunday morning, it's supposed to be for 11 to 1. Sometimes we're here at half 3 in the afternoon, yep. and the guys are still happy just to sit in the bubbly blair and talk away. You know, they've spoken about coming in on Saturday afternoon when games are off and cars and dominoes because they'd rather be here amongst like minded people than anywhere else. This is that's something that we would be able to promote more than what we do just now. But you don't want it to happen, there's nobody here, obviously, can do a pandemic on you. But is it going to go further on? Is it something you'd like to do? I don't think you're in danger of ever really opening up in here and nobody's going to turn up. You know, I think if there's something going up here, there's, there's going to be a core group of people. And I've come up myself and sat in Sundays, you know, and, and, and thoroughly enjoyed the conversation that takes place. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to open the doors up here and find that people don't come up. And that idea that I've been so ready going to Sundays, it's, it's hit a real you know, it's hitting the there, you know what I mean? I think it touches the exact right. I, I think it's very important, I spoke to Andy and Paul about this, is that as a learning curve for us all, we've realised that one size doesn't fit all, you know, with regards to mental health. And probably one of the most important things that I got the other day, and it was an education for me, was a lady whose husband comes to the group, says that she now gets support from her husband because he understands through listening at the group about what she's suffering. Now, he predominantly doesn't have mental health problems himself, but comes along to the group and now he understands her problem. You know, so it's just a wee caveat for anybody else who comes, it might not be you, but come along, you know, and, and you might get help. So the most important thing is one size doesn't fit all. We've got a lot of different guys and they respond and react differently to different things in the group. Imagine. I've got a question for you as well. What is this? I was just off, but uh, how do you envisage taking the, the uh, what's your thoughts on the, initially for the the podcast and what's your thoughts on taking it forward? Are, are, you, are you hoping to maybe get 
players and stuff like that involved. I, th- I think it'd be quite an interesting dynamic if you could do that. I think it's one of the it's, it's served a purpose, you know, over the past few weeks and, and through the pandemic. And you know, I don't, I don't want to sort of start asking folk to commit to stuff that's difficult for you know, because once guys get back to work in that as well, mm-hmm. it's not going to be an easy thing to commit to. If there's a role for this format and it works for people, and it seems to, because the numbers are you know quite good. If this format works for people and is something that needs to get communicated, that maybe is a wee bit more you know intricate than Twitter allows and only forty characters or whatever it is, then I think using something like this for an example in EGM is good. If Paul thinks that there's a reason to speak about something or an event, then I'm again I'm happy to facilitate this. Or if six hundred people that want to be next week and see what you want in this every Wednesday night, then I'll, I'll support that as well. But I can't really see it. Doesn't it? My view on it is it's been very professionally done. I've got a, 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 people hear this anyway, so I took an opportunity this morning. And I, t- I put myself into your shoes. So uh, I think it's sort of a long secret that Scotland would say, like, player Lee Griffiths has been training here during the course of summer. The guy approached us for training facilities and we accommodated him. But I put myself in your shoes this morning and tried to do a podcast with Lee Griffiths and his trainer. So I put some stuff on tape, but I, and I quickly understood how difficult it is. So just testament to you how easy you make it for your guests and stuff like that. But I think that going forward, we all agree that that platform it's really good so firstly I apologise to your listeners if you put my stuff out as a podcast because it ain't as good as yours another <laughs> <laughs> wee thing that I think would be really interesting because we have got a lot of what I would call newer fans who maybe don't know a wee bit about history so if you could get some of like the older guys you know who even played for the club and maybe guys like Gordon Hammond who've got a vast knowledge you know and go a wee bit back in the history of previous teams and previous successes Gordon tells a story about a day about playing a game and coming up the road and catching another rock team who's won playing at the school and then they come up the road and they're on top bus. You know, I wasn't aware of any of that history. Right. You know, so the stories are there and I think it's really important to capture them when they're there. Well, you, you touched on a good point and something Andy and I have spoken about for a while is I've always sort of, and I, I don't know, Paul might already might be doing this already, but I've always thought we should sit down and maybe write things down a wee bit because we've not got the good fortune of having you know, the folk who were involved at the Rock seven, eight years ago, you know, content about what they were into and what they were doing and what the troubles they faced. Um, we've not got any of that stuff really other than, you know, the stuff that people have went back retrospectively and looked at. But I'm riding the case to leave at the minute and I think there's value in documenting it. So I don't think that's a bad idea at all, Stevie, and sitting down maybe at the end of the season and just talking to people and just getting the sort of right, okay, and that's it logged away and say, do you know? Because we've somebody to do something and it's... Andy's really more into this in my but, but we've not even took a photo of the team. You know, because we were always going to date and then something else happened. But we wouldn't be able to capture that if we don't do it quicker. You know, I, I know Jim O'Brien, his false friend, was going to do it. He was going to have his own team, the 85 team and the other day team, and we've been put back. But it's something that we need to capture because hopefully 50 or 100 years' time, it will be there, same as the photographs I've got in this room that I'm just now. You know, so it's important to capture all that for history. Mm-hmm. I agree, eh? Okay. Paul, do you want to mention about Mr. Cox? Oh, hi. Uh, just want, obviously, we, we announced uh, through our social media channels last week the unfortunate death of John Cox, who uh, was a player here at one time. His son uh, was a player a year and then last team he won the championship here in 1985. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> John, uh, John's funeral will take place on Tuesday uh, and uh, people have to be informed that they can go to Dildowie Crematorium at 12.45 on Tuesday. We obviously want to pass on our condolences to John and the rest of his family, young John and the rest of the family at this time. 
love to echo those sentiments, but I just need to correct my learned friend. <laughs> I'm like it. He's a great stalwart of boxing. We should offer our condolences and thoughts and prayers to his family and friends. Okay, well, I've got a section here for, for closing remarks. Is there anything that will start with yourself, Andy, actually? Is there anything you would like to, to add to? I don't think so, no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. Oh. Uh, my closing remarks are, are, are a phrase that you used earlier, James. That, whether people believe it or not, that for me, there's always been a romance about this club, always since I was a kid, and uh, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away, and I think, I mean, it's testament. Andy started something here five years or six years ago. I think we can debate when it was five years. He started something here that's been picked up with Stephen, uh, and it's a phenomenal transformation over over that short period. And I just hope that me and the guys on the pitch can, can carry forward to the next level in the future. Uh, I would like to just thank everybody who does the day-to-day work. As I say, the guys who are here every day, come in this afternoon at 3 o'clock, Ken Haynes, Gordon Hammond, who's 75 years of age, are out fertilising the park. Come in yesterday, Bully Reed, Tam Kerr, Paul Corn, Ted, Cor- Ted Crawley. You know, they're here every day, they work. You know, we get great generosity from the fans, but the day-to-day thing still has to be done, and they guys are a real credit, and I just really like to thank them for the bottom of my heart for everything they do, because people will receive the benefit of that when they come on a Saturday, you know, but, but if that work's not done behind the scenes, then the games will go ahead. I just, just uh, again about the fans, my final word is just, they never cease to amaze you. Uh, all the, the, the programmes and projects that I mentioned earlier on, uh, we're, we're all really successful, but that just just that example, just a few weeks ago, that the Nita Dickang, it's just a bit of fun, right? But you're, you're up against teams like Wraith Rovers and Stenhouse Muir and, and other top top sides, and, and we're blown, we're blown with the water. <laughs> you know, there was, a, there, was a, there was a thing when we done that, when I called the promotion, but I, I think the St Rock supporters donated something like 1800 quid, six hours. Right, yeah, it was. You, you, know, you know, so I think uh, what's happening now is people see the club as something as their own, they see it as something they want to be part of. And, and they're showing their generosity at the club and, and it's not just generosity I think Stevie will take this on board it's about trust they're trusting the people around the club eh, today the, the things that they should do and, and that's, a, that's a, a great thing for everybody here that people are, are trusting us to be the, the, the champions for the club if you like so it's just to say again eh, I've said that every AGM I've sat here is that the fans are absolutely unbelievable but the, the, the native ticket thing James we've all been missing football so much and we're all football guys first and foremost, and we're going football, football. The first day was the only Dortmund were on the TV, and I left here to go up. And I told Dortmund I have to be in the back and dare to what I think. You know, th- th- that's absolutely amazing. And I was sitting in the back in stitches because some of the pattern, some of the banter was coming through. And that's what I was saying earlier on. The guys who were on the end of the, the abuse took it in the spirit it was intended. Nobody took the off. And it was absolutely fantastic. And then they would come back and have a wee go. The one that he said that for me was absolutely brilliant the day when he was kidding on, we were on the bench and I had been tackled with big number five arthritis. I'm going to put the back of stitches, you know, because it's good fun, you know, so it was great. Just to, uh, there's one thing, if there's any other junior clubs listening to this, they'll be scratching their head and thinking, I don't believe this, but this is a true thing and this will just be testament to the generosity of your fans, right? I think it was after the, the net ticket game, we hurt five grand, right? And I phoned Stevie, and both of you almost in the same conversation says, that's enough. So, so we've actually got to a point where we're fundraising it and we're saying, 
can I do this anymore because we've had too much? Do you know, we actually felt humbled that much that we had to say, so there's clubs in situations, and what we're, we're reacting here is that there's, there's, other, there's other causes out there at this particular time that, that need support, but the support that people have given us humbled is enough to say, right, enough's enough. But just to mention that we'll have another wee fundraiser. All donations welcome. Even apart from the, the cash donations, James, we received money from some of the supporters who didn't have bank accounts who gave us cash. So they were party to it as well, you know, just with the only guys who signed up through the donated ticket. So it's important that they are recognised as well. Okay, well that sounds to me like a good point to, to kind of close up the AGM. Um, I'd like to thank you all in the past few weeks especially. Um, it's been good to interview the four years, uh, being you three and, and the noise you've heard throughout the entire show, which is Andy's jacket. Um, <laughs> as he does that zip up the entire time. Um, <laughs> I told you I was going to go naked in the podcast. We'll have an interview with him next week. Uh, but thank you very much for your time over the past few weeks. It's, it's been a pleasure. And uh, as, as I mentioned earlier on, if anybody's got any questions, anything they want to put to the club, or even as you always say, Stevie, any ideas about how they think yeah. things should, could be done, uh, then just get in contact with us uh, on Twitter and, and we'll, we'll do our best to get uh, that information put to the club. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks very much, James. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks.